time for another edition of Jonesing for Football as we have reached, well, we've almost reached summertime, young Cody. Officially, summertime doesn't hit until like June 21st. And here in Dallas, summertime, you know, it feels almost, it's not wintertime, but it's unseasonably cool weather. We've had a lot of rainy weather in the month of May, and I'm ready to hit the pool. But I'm also ready for this National Football League season that is fast approaching. You're there in Philadelphia. I'm sure OTAs, well, I don't know if OTAs are really going on as planned or as has happened in the past in Philly or not. But in Dallas, they are ahead of the curve because virtually everybody is in attendance. And uh, the past week has been the start of phase three of OTAs. We had Dak on the practice field and he's looking good. He's ready to go. Uh, the same day, Tom Brady had his Buccaneers at Legends Field, the Yankees Spring Training Complex. He's ready to go for the start of the season, September 9th, Thursday night football. Are you ready yet? I am there. I'm ready. I saw the video of Dak. I saw him focus down on that leg area. Whoever the photographer was, probably Brett Kelly or Bill Ellis, they are all over that. Dak looks good, like no brace. Let's get this thing going. Yeah, that, that's exactly right. And uh, I want to shout out right off the top from young Cody to the veteran, superb CBS 11 sports photojournalist Brett Kelly and Bill Ellis. I love that, that you did that here on Jonesing for Football. Hey, what do you want to talk about this time on Jonesing for Football? Well, Bill, we're going to hit some new head coaches. There are seven new head coaches around the league. And we're going to break them up into kind of two sessions. This one, we're going to talk about a couple guys from the AFC. On our next podcast, we'll talk about a couple guys from the NFC. Let me just run through the seven, and then we'll start with who you want to hit uh, in the AFC. Urban Meyer, Jacksonville. He's kind of a big name, I guess. Robert Sala, he takes over with the Jets. Brandon Staley with the Chargers. David Coley, he's in Houston. On the NFC side, it's Dan Campbell, Detroit, Nick Sirianni right here in Philadelphia, and Arthur Smith in Atlanta. Like I said, Bill, let's talk about a couple AFC guys on this podcast. Which one kind of catches your eye, someone you're interested in seeing this season? Well, how many big names are on that list? I would say one. <laughs> there is one. There's one big name. Yep. And so I'll go, I'll go with. Urban Meyer at Jacksonville. And what is that over your right shoulder besides the Jonesing for football sign? That's an Ohio State football helmet, Bill Jones. So I am preaching to the choir here with Urban Meyer in Jacksonville as uh, my guy. Actually, he was the easiest guy to research. Fair <laughs> enough. Because I already, I already had some research in my mind. Did you realize this? Okay, and here he's taken over a Jacksonville franchise that, of course, was 1-15 last year. When you look at Urban Meyer's coaching career going back to Bowling Green as a head coach there, and then at Utah, and then, of course, at Florida, where he won two national championships, the Ohio State University, where he won one national championship, what is the fewest number of wins that Urban Meyer has had in one season as a head coach at the collegiate level? I would say nine. You would be wrong. It would be eight. Eight. Okay. <laughs> but very close. All right. 
His worst record ever as a head coach was uh, one year at Florida where they went eight and five. Okay. But other than that, 12 of the last 15 seasons, he has been a head coach. He's had double digit victories. Now, what are the odds this year? Now we have a 17 game schedule. And so you get to eight wins and you're, and you're, you're not quite a 500 team, but you're close now. You'd be eight and nine. What's the percentage that Urban Meyer in his first year at Jacksonville can turn a one in 15 franchise into basically even a 500 team, an eight win uh, season, and keep that streak alive of eight, at least eight wins? What are the chances, you think? 5%. Yeah. <laughs> very small. Very, very small. I would say the same thing. However, what a great job he's got at Jacksonville. And, you know, the reason why it's a great job. The number one reason he took it, Trevor Lawrence. That's right. So with the track record Urban Meyer has had throughout his coaching career, there's reason enough right there to be intrigued by Urban Meyer. And, again, I think you, you set the tone as you, as you set this up. These are just the seven new coaches. All right, this is the one that I'm most intrigued to watch. Because it's Urban Meyer, and number two, because Trevor Lawrence is uh, the quarterback. And, of course, they also drafted in the first round Trevor Lawrence's uh, teammate at Clemson, Travis Etienne. It'll be interesting to see how Etienne is even used in the offense. Uh, and it's Daryl Bevel's offense at uh, Jacksonville. Urban Meyer uh, hired Daryl Bevel, who, of course, uh, was the offensive coordinator most recently with the Detroit Lions. Not a lot of success there, but prior to that, he was with the Seattle Seahawks. He might have been the only offensive coordinator or quarterbacks coach in the NFL who went to Russell Wilson's pro day at Wisconsin. And so Russell Wilson was his guy when they drafted him in the third round at uh, Seattle. And, and then Bevel, prior to that, uh, was with Minnesota on Brad Childress' staff, and he coached Brett Favre. And prior to that, uh, he was uh, with Favre at uh, Green Bay as an assistant when he broke into coaching in the, in the National Football League and uh, former quarterback at Wisconsin. So it'll be interesting to see how Bevel, how uh, Trevor Lawrence fits into Bevel's offense there in Jacksonville. As far as talent they have to work with, uh, in Jacksonville. Going to be interesting. My, my guy last year in the draft, LaVisca Chenault, uh, out yeah. of DeSoto, Texas, and University of Colorado going into his second year in the league. I'm going to be interested to see how they use him in that offense. They signed Carlos Hyde, uh, who, of course, Urban Meyer was familiar with at Ohio State. When he first got to Ohio State, Hyde is now uh, 30 years old, and he was with the Seahawks last year. James Robinson uh, is the starter at running back with Etienne in there too. Anyway, Jacksonville, it's like, as you said, it's going to be a stretch for them to even be a 500 team, but they are an interesting team finally to watch. And really, Cody, it hasn't been that long ago that the Jacksonville franchise actually played in an AFC championship game. And for a while, it looked like Blake Bortles might get the Jags to the Super Bowl, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, they had they had a great defense. Obviously, Calais Campbell was one of the big names on there. They've kind of um, escorted a lot of those guys out, restarting, kind of went younger. And this urban this Urban Meyer thing, I'm I'm interested to see how this goes. Some odd situations going on there, like you mentioned, Travis Etienne drafting him in the first round, and then it comes out 
about a couple of weeks later that he's not really going to play much running back. He's kind of just going to play receiver and maybe third down back. Um, and so it's like, hmm, you're drafting a running back in the first round and then moving him positions primarily. It sounds like he's going to get majority of his uh, camp snaps at wide receiver. And then yeah, and obviously it, we've got to mention the, their new tight end. You know yes. what I'm saying? <laughs> From Ohio Bill State. Jones, you want to take yeah. that one? From Ohio State, Luke Farrell, a fifth-round draft pick. What can you tell me about Luke Farrell? Oh, exactly. I cannot believe – well, they can't <laughs> believe that they, they signed Tim Tebow to compete with Luke Farrell for the tight end spot. Like, why would you do that? Um, yeah, I mean, or, or, Irvin uh, and Tim Tebow. Obviously. I mean, why, why did they draft Luke Farrell if they were going to sign Tim Tebow? I mean, what, what kind of playing time will there be for Luke Farrell? Clearly, this is wild. I'm intrigued. I'm intrigued by Tebow only in this sense. The Jacksonville Jaguars actually come here to Dallas for the final preseason game, which will be a noon kickoff on Sunday, August 29th. And I was told this week, that our broadcast, I'll be doing it, the broadcast, uh, the Cowboys broadcast with Michael Irvin and Babe Loffenberg, and our broadcast will actually be picked up by the NFL Network and carried nationwide, and that being the last preseason game, that may be the most you see of Tim Tebow in the preseason, so that's why I am excited about the signing of Tim Tebow in Jacksonville, because I get to hear Michael Irvin talk about Tim Tebow. That'll be awesome. I'm excited to hear Babe Loffenberg <laughs> talk about uh, TiVo. Well. That's, that's true. Yeah. And you better get ready for your jump pass touchdown call, Bill Jones. That's well, that's right. I got to, yeah, I got to make sure that, that he's not, wait a second. He's playing tight end. He's no, not playing quarterback. No, he's he's going to be on the receiving end of the jump pass. Is that what you're saying? If I know TiVo, he'll probably throw it and catch it. <laughs> That's probably That's right. the most likely scenario. That's right. All right. Okay. You said it's a 5% chance that Jacksonville will wind up with eight wins this season. What's the chance that Tim Tebow will be on their roster uh, come the first game of the season? I would say 10%. What would you say? You know, I need to check what the practice squad rules are. Uh, this year because they relaxed them last year where veteran players could be on the practice squad due to uh, the COVID protocols and such. Mm -hmm. I, I'm not sure if they are, are continuing that this year or not, but if they have the same practice squad rules that they had last year, plus it was an expanded practice squad, Tim Tebow will be on that Jacksonville roster the entire season as a practice squad player first and then there will be a, at a point in the season where he will get promoted uh, to the regular squad. If they have the same practice squad rules as last year, there's a 100% chance that Tim Tebow will be on that practice squad throughout the season. Two things. Um, and then, and then, and then I'll take it to my team. First of all, imagine never blocking your entire life. And then going from quarterback to like outfielder and then coming back to be like 33 or 34 and then having to block Von Miller, JJ Watt, Demarcus Lawrence, uh, you know, imagine having to block those guys after having never done that your entire life. That is going to be funny. Don't yes, it, 
It, it would be interesting to see, but uh, I don't think they'll be on the Jacksonville practice squad for Tim Tebow to block in, in practice. No, true. But <laughs> your boy, Caleb uh, uh, Von Chason. Yeah, that's right. That's yeah, right. Exactly. Yeah. The other thing is, and just to, just to wrap up on Tebow, this podcast is a perfect example of why I would not have signed Tebow. We've spent 50% of our time on the Jaguars talking about Tim Tebow. And guess how much we spent on Trevor Lawrence? Uh, about two lines. Mm-hmm. That's not our fault. That's how everybody is. And that alone to me would have been like, eh, is it really worth it to get me? No, no. Hey, first that, tight end? Cody, that's the brilliance of your guy, Urban Meyer. He brings Tim, Tim Tebow in, and now Trevor Lawrence can focus on his job. He doesn't have to. Well, of course, it's Jacksonville. There, what's what's the media attention in Jacksonville like, right? And so, well, it, it would so, one. It so as soon been, as I say that, it takes the attention off of Trevor Lawrence. Yeah, there's going to be more people come, going to Jacksonville training camp now because of the Tim Tebow story. But it, it, it actually takes it's not pressure, but it takes the attention off Trevor Lawrence where he doesn't have to do as much media stuff. Oh, let T. Let Tebow handle that today. <laughs> Why wouldn't you want that, though? He's your franchise quarterback. He's who you're building around. You want him to learn your offense. You want him to focus on football. He's still going to have to do that. He's still There's no, nothing is different. It's just what everybody's talking about. He's still going to get the same amount of questions. Same I, was trying, I was trying to compliment your guy, Urban Meyer. And now you're, you're not taking the compliment. You're not accepting it. Oh, I just think it's a weird move by Urban, and I love Urban. Um, all right, let's get to my guy. Do you mind, Bill Jones? Let's go for it. Who is your guy? All right, I'm taking Brandon Staley to the Chargers. To me, Brandon what, Staley. Where? What is? What in the world is his background? Yeah, interesting. You say that. I thought this was one of the most surprising moves. Probably the most surprising out of the new seven head coaches. Thirty-eight years old, Staley. He's only been an NFL coach, Bill Jones, for four seasons. So five years ago, 2016, he was the defensive coordinator and secondary coach at John Carroll University. That's a D3. A legendary program. It is a legendary program, but it's a, obviously it's a D3 school in Ohio. So to say his rise is meteoric, that's um, to say the least, going from a D coordinator at a D3 school to a head coach in the NFL in five years. Wow. Um, let me run through his NFL resume. Trust me, it won't take very long. Uh, hired by the Bears as their outside linebacker coach in 2017. Then he moved to the Broncos in 2019, where he was their outside linebacker coach. Last year, he was the D.C., of the Rams and transformed their defense. You got to give them some credit for that. They went from 17th the year before in yards to number one in yards and points allowed and helped them win a playoff game with a backup quarterback, if you uh, remember that correctly. So one season calling a defense under his belt, the Chargers hand him the reins to their team, which to me was a little Odd again, this is going against the trend because normally when you have a young stud quarterback like the Chargers have in Justin Herbert, you'd want an offensive minded guy to kind of grow with him and 
help him learn the game and become a franchise quarterback and all that. The Chargers did not go that route. Um, but as I mentioned to you before we started taping Bill Jones, Staley was a quarterback at Dayton uh, in, in college. He was a two-year starter. I'm actually going to tweet out his stats because I just wrote those down. Um, so he does have some background knowing the quarterback position, but obviously Staley blew them away in the interview process. And he takes over a seven and nine team, including winning their last four games. So the Chargers were hot down the stretch. So they should be a pretty good squad here in 2021. Let me quickly run you through some of the aspects of the team. I'll start with Herbert. He's obviously the cornerstone guy, the franchise quarterback, spectacular as a rookie, 31 touchdowns, 10 picks, and he won offensive rookie of the year. I think one of the most interesting situations was he did it without a really great running game. You know, normally when a rookie quarterback comes in and has success, they help him with a great run game where he's not asked to carry the entire load. Herbert did it without a great run game, which is even more impressive. Um, the skill players there with the Chargers, uh, pretty solid. Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, Austin Eckler, all dangerous dudes that Jalen Guyton. Don't forget Jalen Guyton. Fair enough. I'll, uh, we can add him on there. Uh, the University sure he, of North Texas. Yeah, I'm not sure he, he falls into that dangerous dudes like I just described. Him. It, but, it, yeah. He had a very fine season last year. Very fine season. Mm -hmm. um, and then they added Jared Cook. Uh, they added him in free agency. He'll replace Hunter Henry, who went east to the New England Patriots. Uh, quickly on their offensive line, because this is key as well. They've had to reshape it this offseason. Mike Pouncey retired. Trey Turner's gone. So they spent $62 million on Corey Lindsley, one of the better centers in the league coming from Green Bay. He'll be the center for Justin Herbert for the next handful of years. Then in the draft, Bill Jones, they went tackle with Rashawn Slater, number 13 overall, and have you looked at the Chargers set of tackles? They'll go Slater and Balaga. That's one of the better tandems there in the league. And I love their philosophy. Find your quarterback, which they've done, and then invest some big resources in protecting him. So the Chargers are doing it right, in my opinion, on the offensive side of the ball. The other thing that Staley did, he hired Joe Lombardi as his offensive coordinator. And Lombardi, many years with the Saints, and uh, so it'll be interesting uh, that Sean Payton offense, the court, the uh, the offense that Drew Brees ran in New Orleans. What elements of that offense Joe Lombardi brings with him uh, to the Chargers? And of course, that that's the connection with Jared Cook. It's Cook, of course, with with, with New Orleans. And uh, the other thing they did, they brought in Chase Daniel as a backup quarterback. And of course, Chase Daniel has a history with Lombardi. Uh, in New Orleans as well. And they just hope that he, as he has continued to do and making millions upon millions of dollars in his career, holding a clipboard on the sideline that he just continues to do that this year as sort of a mentor to the young Justin Herbert. God bless America, Bill Jones, Chase That's Daniel, right. a, uh, a coach <laughs> on the field. So good for That's him and uh, a rich coach that is. Um, let me hit you quickly with the defense. They have plenty of talent there as well. And obviously this is Staley's kind of forte here. Like I said, he was the DC of the Rams last year. 
Joey Bosa, monster on the defensive line, 47 career sacks in 63 career games. That dude's kind of a freak. Linebacker-wise, highlighted by your guy, Bill Jones, Kenneth Murray, who was a rookie last year from Oklahoma. He led the Chargers in tackles with 107. And then they have He's a, a stud out of linebacker U. Okay. Uh, sure. I mean, whatever. Fine. That's fine. I'll give that to you. Um, and then they have a game changer in the secondary, hopefully. That's Derwin James, uh, 25 years old this fall. Still a young dude, but unfortunately coming off another major injury that cost him the entire 2020 season. I know a lot of people are excited that he has a chance to come back and shine. As a rookie, he was one of the best defensive players in the league and just kind of sad how his career has started, but hopefully he'll be healthy um, from here on out. And when I looked at the Chargers defense, it's kind of similar to how the Rams were set up. The Rams had two mega studs, Aaron Donald and Jalen Ramsey, but where Staley did a great job and kind of differentiated himself is he was able to put kind of the supporting cast in great positions and then a lot of those dudes balled out, like John Johnson, Troy Hill, Jordan Fuller. And so those guys weren't really household names, but under um, Staley's defense last year, they became really good players. And I think the Chargers are kind of built that way as well. Bosa, Murray, and James, they're those big stars. And then you've got a bunch of lesser known guys. So can Staley kind of do the same thing here with the Chargers um, and let his system let those other guys showcase their skills. And just to summarize, I'm, I'm not sure how anyone can be um, certain on how Brandon Staley is going to do with the Chargers. He just hasn't been in the NFL that long, like I mentioned. But he could be the defensive version of Sean McVay. And if he is, the Chargers have the talent to compete with any team in the league. And one more thing. Chargers Chiefs. This is going to be fun this year. AFC West rivals, Chargers and Chiefs. They meet in week three and then again in week 15. Bill Jones, those are going to be drop what you're doing, figure out how to get in front of the TV for Chargers Chiefs this year. I can't wait to watch those. A couple of other things to add to, to all that, uh, that information that you're just chock full of information. A lot about of prep, Bill Jones. Staley. And, and the Chargers. That's right. You can tell that you're spending a lot of time on this podcast. Um, I, I mentioned Lombardi. Do you know the connection between Joe Lombardi and Brandon Staley? Why did Brandon Staley hire Joe Lombardi as his offensive coordinator? Uh, I'm not sure. You said that, that Staley went to Dayton. Oh, played quarterback at this. Dayton, right? Yes. He also played college football at Mercyhurst. Okay. Mercyhurst College in Erie, Pennsylvania. And guess who his offensive coordinator and quarterbacks coach was at Mercyhurst College in 2002? It was Joe Lombardi. Joe Lombardi. And Joe Lombardi, by the way, of course, happens to be the grandson of the great Vince Lombardi. Mm -hmm. And now... There's another Green Bay connection as well on this Chargers team. Nasir Adderley, who is related to Herb Adderley, who was a Hall of Fame cornerback for the Green Bay Packers. So, in other words, 
Brandon Staley's Los Angeles Chargers with Joe Lombardi leading the offense. They are destined to win the Lombardi Trophy at some point, don't you think? I think so. With Justin Herbert, that could easily happen. <laughs> it could. It could. So there you go. Cool. All right. Very nice work there, young Cody. Hey, thanks, Bill Jones. Uh, good work right. on you. I love your Urban Meyer talk. Oh, I knew you would. I, Thank you. I, was... <laughs> I knew that was for me. Thank you. <laughs> exactly. It was also the easiest one to research. But I enjoyed being able to research uh, Brandon Staley, too. I now know a lot more about a coach that not very many people have heard of, but they're about to hear it when he is able to lift that Lombardi trophy one of these days. All right. We continue with more Jonesing for football next time where we turn our attention to the new coaches in the National Football Conference. See you next time.